1: What is up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights podcast. Today, we've got Colin Brister for our Sunday SEC baseball conversation. We covered the Rebels being swept at Vanderbilt, what it means, how far behind the eight ball they actually are, what to do about a precarious pitching situation, and how much to ring the alarm bells offensively after a uh, tough weekend all around for Ole Miss uh, up there in Nashville to start SEC play. Um just college baseball. So we the Old Miss women's basketball team obviously had a huge win over Stanford last night. We recorded this before that game went underway. I'll have a women's basketball segment actually on the pod, hopefully Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll kind of see how that schedule shakes out. But just a heads up, only baseball on this one as we do per usual on most sundays but we'll have some women's basketball content for you a little bit later in the week before we get to this show though i want to remind you the podcast brought to you by skybox sports picks who is skybox sports picks well glad you asked They're so the world's best gambling handicapping website the inventors of the skybox matrix interval an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry if you're in march madness and you're not using skybox you're probably having to pay out the bookie today don't recommend what I do recommend using skybox sports picks. They're the only way to profit in the long run. They hit well over 60% in college hoops every year. It is their bread and butter. That is the best strongest point of their algorithm. You need to check them out. Just go online. Their March madness package is out on the site. You can use it next weekend. Try to rebound for the sweet 16. Just go on there. Snag it. Use the promo code Rippy R I P P E E. And that'll give you 20% off. You can use skybox for pretty much any sport you want to. They've got, um some nba playoff stuff coming up they will have they've got the nascar package on the site and then of course football season will be here before you know it check them out com. podcast is also brought to you by lb's university avenue there in oxford if you're a rippy Rights subscriber that's rippy com. get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats right now it's three six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks, It's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks just for subscribing to a free newsletter. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meat. They got all kinds of sausages, fresh seafood. I like the tri-tips. Filet burgers are always a nice place to go, too. Check them out. Find your own favorites. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here's Colin Rister on The Rebels Being Swept at Vandy. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. SEC play is among us. Uh, I don't know if anyone alerted Ole Miss that it had started, but uh, we are one weekend through SEC play. This is really kind of when things pick up, you start to learn a whole hell of a lot more about all sure. the teams in the league uh, and do so, you know, usually pretty quickly. And I think we learned a decent bit about Ole Miss this weekend. There's more of the confirmation of some stuff, but uh, what's up? How's the baseball going on your end?
2: Um. So... So you're right. T- tough weekend for the Rebels. However, there are two teams that had tougher weekends than the Rebels. Do you know who those are?
1: That would be the Mississippi State Bulldogs and the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, yeah.
2: So at least like you know when Ole Miss walks away and they're like, hey, we got swept this weekend. They got swept by a team that played for the national title three years ago and won it four years ago, or whatever. Uh, they did not get sweet swept by the University of Kentucky or the University of Missouri. So I'm going to I'm going to put that a that feather in my hat and at least appreciate that. But, no, Ole Miss uh, – I actually went and looked. Do you know when the last time Ole Miss got beat this badly on a weekend was?
1: I mean, was it Tennessee last year?
2: No, no, it wasn't um, And I, I, that kind of shocked me because, if you remember, the Sunday game against Tennessee was, like, a one-run game.
1: Oh, so you're talking sheer run differential.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um – they have been
2: swept. Um, I'll give you this tidbit. They have been because I went look. They have been swept if my math is right, twelve times since 2010, which is actually kind of impressive that it's only twelve sweeps since 2010. I think I might have, have a guess then. Okay.
1: No, but sorry, finish your stat. And just don't spoil it. I think I might have a, a off the Oh uh, uh, No, that's su- just su- su- what I'm saying.
2: It's it's been it's been twelve. They've been swept twelve times since 2010, which again, kind of impressive that it's only twelve. I felt like it would have been more than that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. So, 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 so you- my initial guess was going to be 16 South Carolina. That nope. was a team that got swept three times, but swept four. And then my other one was going to be the 20. No, 14 didn't get swept by South Carolina. Never mind. I now no. I, I don't have a guess. That ruined my guess.
2: All right, uh, South Carolina in 2016 beat Ole Miss. They combined 18 to six. Okay, that's 12 runs, almost lost the run differential by 23 runs this weekend. And if you remember, um, they didn't actually get all the outs on Thursday. So it could have been actually worse. Um, The last time that they were beaten this badly by more than 23 runs in a sweep was Auburn in 2010 when we were both in high school.
1: That's That's probably a recollection of that happening.
2: (laughs) I actually do. And here's why. Uh, they were playing Auburn to win the West, and the first game was on my birthday, my junior year, and I'm like, hey, let's go. So, so me and some buddies went and <laughs> sat in right field, and uh, Ole Miss did not win the baseball game that day. Uh, they got murdered. So uh, that's how I spent my 17th first birthday. It was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, no, that's uh, it's the most uncompetitive weekend um, for Ole Miss in 13 years. So not great. Um, thankfully, they, they still won the 2022 National Championship. But uh, for the start of the 2023 SEC slate, definitely not great.
1: No, not what you want. And there's a number of different ways to go this. I have one more quick side note. I don't know if we've created a monster that we've, we're now unable to tame. But because of us poking fun at uh, Tennessee and Tony Vitello, um, I was, I was all on all in basketball today. I watched zero SEC baseball today. Just kind of was like, ah, I'm going to enjoy the college hoops, have a good time with it, blah, blah, blah. Um, our, our friend Coach Fitello got ejected from the game, uh, in the <laughs> sixth inning in a sweep against That's Missouri. Hilarious. And we found out pretty quickly, I, I got tagged in at least four tweets. I know you were in, uh, at least a couple of them, but the, the listeners in the community out there, or on it, if our guy slips up, we don't even have to actually be monitoring him to hold him accountable because we will hear about it very quickly. Did you notice this too?
2: Uh, Yes, and I appreciate this. Anything – I will say this. I don't have – and maybe you you do, but I don't have much disdain for, like, Rick Barnes and their basketball team. I was rooting for them actually yesterday. But their football team and their baseball team can – I have no use for So anytime anything, uh, bad happens to the University of Tennessee football or baseball, please, please tweet me, um, tag me in it. I would like to, um, I would like to be able to see that if at all possible. I actually just pulled up Vitello, um, getting ejected. Yeah. He, uh, this will shock you. He, he is acting like a four year old child. He did the thing. This annoys me. He did the thing where he gets ejected. Oh, actually, never mind. This, this, I'm looking at the wrong video. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not a shock that Tony Vitello acted like a seven year old and got run. I'll be honest. I don't know if you know this. I, I was told this recently. It's very hard for an umpire to eject you. Like you've got to do some stuff to get run in college
1: baseball. Coach wise, not player, player. Pretty yeah, short. It's not player. Co- coach wise. It is
2: hard to get run.
1: Uh yes, it absolutely is. And he seems to be making a habit of it. I mean, credit to him. I guess in some ways it's a baller move. He just has made it very known he does not give a shit about the fine. Just <laughs> Mike's whatever take my times. I think it's ten Did... K. Take him ten K. Because Mike always used to say that he didn't I mean I say always used to say, I think we asked him jokingly about it once or twice. He's like, I don't want to get fines. Why why am I gonna get mad give and then give them my money on top of it? Which is another way to think about it. Apparently Mr. Vitella just is like, No, nah, I don't care. Yeah, they pay me enough. So, uh,
2: I think Mike's been run two times in 10 years and they were the it, same year.
1: I was about to say toward the beginning of his tenure, if I remember correctly, if not that it happened, yeah, he would get run super often. It would happen, you know, more than once every blue moon or and he, I think he's really tried to cut down on that of, of late. Um, maybe the fines increased. I don't know. We could do a deep dive or a long form on that one, but I did find it humorous that as soon as he got tossed, cause there was not much time. It transpired. Um, we were alerted pretty quickly. So thank you to all the vigilantes out there. Please. Uh, Please keep that up now kind of to the subject at hand as far as Ole Miss is concerned I'm glad you led with that stat um starting off the podcast in terms of, like the last time they've been beaten that bad and there's varying degrees to like how it uh like the eye test versus what actually happened like yes Ole Miss got absolutely smashed this weekend there's no and ifs or buts about it they weren't really competitive they were really stifled by Vanderbilt's pitching but for some reason at the point in which they were swept by Tennessee last year that felt more demoralizing and I don't know if you knew one weekends or two weekends more worth of stuff about the team remember or was that second weekend I guess it was secondly it was no. it was second weekend
2: yeah. so just they one won their weekend. first season got, at Auburn
1: yeah yeah I got that in Kentucky confused because they went to Kentucky next week right. for whatever reason and this may not make much sense at all but that one just felt worse because they got the yeah. door- off them in the two games those games were early over on where this one because of how stifled they were at the plate it was more lopsided but it didn't feel well, as non-competitive like you were almost questioning if Ole Miss like belonged well, to the same field as Tennessee last year does that make any sense at all even yeah statistically worse well,
2: And part of it was where it happened uh yeah. getting you know getting your face beat in its Swayze is not an easy play easy thing to take um uh, because you know, for, for some of the flaws that Ole Miss baseball has had over the years, that's not one. Like, usually home regular season series, they show up for. Um, and, and last year, that certainly wasn't the case. So, yeah, I, I get that. And, look, if you watch those three games, um, the three cats Vanderbilt ran out were pretty good. I oh, mean, Carl man. Holt special. Uh, they they were pretty good. I think what – there's two things that alarm you if, if, if you're an Ole Miss fan is, one – Yes, the pitching is not good, but here's what's scary, I think. Pitching was not good against a not good offense statistically coming into this weekend. That's alarming. Um And, and certainly we'll see how they do in, in front of the home crowd when Florida rolls in next weekend. But when you talk about a team in Vanderbilt that, frankly, did not have a whole lot of offensive success against Loyola Marymount um, the week before. Now, they swept the series, but they didn't swing it overly well. Um, for them to have the amount of success they had against Ole Miss is, while, yes, Ole Miss is not where they need to be from a pitching standpoint, it shows you kind of right where they are. Um, And it's not a good place. The offense – I'll say this. The offense is allowed to have one bad weekend, and, and they certainly had that this weekend. I'm not pressing the panic button on this offense just yet. Um, But it can't happen again. Like next weekend against a better staff maybe – um, or at least just as good. We're talking about Hurston Waldrop and a kid on Sunday that throws 97 from the left side. Um, and and then Sproat one hit Alabama last weekend. Um, they're going to have to be better. So you're allowed the one, the, the one mulligan, um, you know, from an offensive standpoint for Ole Miss, but they can't have that type of weekend again and be successful in this league.
1: I think that's well put, and I wanted to kind of ch- to chime in regarding the Vanderbilt being a bad offense going in. You're exactly right. For most of the non-conference slate, Vanderbilt had really struggled offensively. But I can't remember if it was game one or game two. The broadcast made a decent note, and I don't remember exactly what the changes were. But they talked about how after that weekend at Loyola or against Loyola Marymount, where they take two of three, but they win a two-one game, a two-nothing game, and then they lose nine to six. On Sunday, they made some lineup changes, and that resulted in them scoring 15 runs against Belmont. And then, of course, what they did to not Miss this weekend, 12, 8, and 7. I Look, I don't know. I, I don't have a clue to pretend what Belmont is this year. I'm going to assume not strong. So I'm not going to point to you and try to bullshit you and say, hey, look, they scored 15 runs in the midweek once they made these changes. Maybe they were just finding their form. But I also don't think, given what Vanderbilt run out, ran out there from a talent standpoint, that they were also as bad as an offense as their numbers showed Going into that weekend, I think there's probably a little bit of middle ground there. And what's the best rest? What's the best diet or recipe or prescription, whatever you want to call it, for that? For an offense that's trying to find itself uh, right now, face a pitching staff that doesn't have a lot of experience and a lot of put away stuff. And that's really what this weekend turned out to be. I didn't think Ole Miss would get dominated offensively as bad as they did. I knew it would be a different type of challenge. Um, with three left-handers going against Vanderbilt, two of them that I knew about to some degree, they were pretty good. I was pretty impressed with the Saturday guy as well. But I think that was probably the more surprising aspect of this weekend is the offense being as off as it was. Because as much issues as Ole Miss does have pitching the ball, it kind of renders itself irrelevant, just like you saw in the last two games, where if you only scored two runs a piece, apiece, like, that's, or two runs and zero runs, doesn't really matter, right? You could pitch it amazing and you're still not going to have much of a shot. What was more surprising to you?
2: Um, man, yeah, it's, it, I'm not sure. It's a really good question. It's, it's just, it's unfortunate, right, that the offense has this weekend because like, look, the hope is if you're an Ole Miss fan that, hey, they, they only scored, you know, seven on, on Saturday. Well, you know, we've said all year, hey, this team's going to abuse, you know, third game pitching, whether that's Saturday or Sunday. Um, And, and they just didn't. And so that's that's the that's the unfortunate part is this offense wasn't able to carry them to a win because man the, the difference between starting this thing one and two and zero oh and three is significant. I don't think anybody would be upset too much if you know they found a way to win on Saturday, uh, but you know for, from an offensive standpoint they just weren't able to get that done. Look, um, th- this offense there's going to be days on, on on third games of the series where hey they give up seven runs, but the offense still needs to win the baseball game. Um, and, and they weren't able to get that done. And some of that is a credit to Vanderbilt and how good they were on the mound. Um, but it it's just uh, it's just unfortunate that, that Ole Miss played probably its worst weekend series in a long, long time uh, to start SEC play.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that I thought that stood out was like you talk about how bad it was offensively and the, it's not just the run scored. I think it, probably what's a little more glaring is They only totaled 13 hits on the weekend, and if my math by hand really quick is correct, Calvin Harris had six of them. So you're talking about the other eight guys in your lineup on a given day. I know it wasn't eight guys because they made some changes, particularly to the Game 3 lineup on Saturday, Uh, combined for seven hits on the weekend. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty alarming. Again, we could go into it all day, one bad weekend, whatever, but that really stuck out to me because... I don't know if you want to say there's one guy that doesn't have a hitting problem. Mr. Harris seems to be figuring it out. Okay.
2: Yeah, no, he, uh, he's a stud. And, um, throughout, you know, Bradfield, um, thought that was funny on Friday. Um, he's, he's been really good in, in pretty much every facet of the game, um, hitting over four or was hitting at 400 at one point this weekend. No, Cal Harris has been as good as advertised. Um, the issue is some other guys have not been, um, I will say this: uh, T.J. McCants doesn't play, I believe, on Saturday. Have you heard anything about a, a, a pretty nasty shin bruise or something? Apparently, that's going around as to why he maybe didn't play on Tuesday and Saturday. So,
1: uh, I was going to ask you the same thing because he ended up coming in on Saturday to pinch hit at one point, um, but he didn't start. And you know, Mike shook up the lineup after what was two pretty putrid offensive days. To, to, for the lack of a better word, to put it. And I'm sitting there thinking like Vanderbilt's throwing a lefty. McCants is a left-handed hitter. I was like, maybe that factors into it. I was going to ask you why that was the case. Granted, McCants was hitless in his previous two games, in the sure. first two games of that series. But I was like, that surely can't just be a matchup thing. I think it just guessing. I listened to all three of Mike's pressers. He was not asked about it. That probably partially on me. I just didn't think to ask about it. I was filling in for Chase. Um, but maybe a combination of both. Maybe the fact that they're throwing another lefty, you're trying to get a little more right handed heavy lineup and the shin thing. Cause I, I was curious about that too. So my guess is a combination of both because he did miss Tuesday because of the shin issue. Um, if that's, I haven't heard of the shin piece of it. I just knew he missed it with the mild injury. I'm not, did you, where did you hear the shin piece? Is that a radio thing? Uh, I'm not sure. Somebody, two people texted me about it.
2: Um, so I don't know if they heard it on radio or what. So maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, maybe I'm just making that up. But I did have two people that I consider pretty knowledgeable text me about it. So I assume maybe DK said something about it. I don't know.
1: No, I um, think you're right. I think that is the case. I just uh, – he definitely missed Tuesday's game for the injury. So maybe a combination there. I thought that piece of it was a little bit surprising there. I want to circle back I, I, to the- I
2: struggle to think that they benched TJ McCann's.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. It's like, ah, I don't think he became a matchup guy because he went hitless in the first two games. I think that's probably a decently rational way of looking at it. But, hey, he was healthy enough to um, come in and pitch it later. So, again, maybe that's – again, I don't know. We're grasping at straws here, but that would be my best guess is a combination of both give him a little rest and, hey, the fact that he struggled against two left-handers and they had a third one coming out there. So, anyway, whatever the case may be, I want to circle back to the pitching side of it real quick first because at this – at surface level, right now, from an offensive standpoint, it was just one bad weekend. You mentioned them being "quote unquote," as you put it, I think allowed to have one bad weekend, but that can't really be the norm going forward, or this team is going to be in deep trouble. I yeah. think the larger sample size of what's going to be a a lingering issue for this team, or has already been a lingering issue, is the pitching. And you have Doherty run out there on uh, Thursday night in the opener. Doherty goes four innings; he allows eleven runs. Or excuse me, five earned runs, six total runs on eleven hits with four strikeouts and no walks. As that I'm sitting there watching that game on Thursday night. They get out of the first inning with honest to God, if we're being if we're being completely frank about it, some good fortune, right? A miracle. Yes, exactly. They, that first inning, Bradfield reaches on an error on kind of a tricky ish play. That, but, um, that's real quick
2: that that's that's an issue that they were so bad on defense this weekend
1: yes that, now, that, it, that can't was, happen. It, they they didn't have an error in the last two games there were some miscues mm. there were some balls that went through on uh, they had they they screwed up a rundown the fact that there weren't errors in the last two games should not hide the fact they were not sharp defensively to underscore your point there but you get in the first inning you get a throwing error on Chatagnier, which actually was his first since, like, the second weekend of last year, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, And then you had a single. So, all of a sudden, they got corners, no outs, and you get a double play on a rocket that was hit straight to Calarco, where it was kind of one of those things where not only does he catch it, but he catches it kind of sort of going towards the bag, and boom, Vanderbilt's just in a catch 22 there, and then you get a line out to end the inning. But it wasn't a ton of soft contact. And then you go through the second and he dances around the second. Um, no, excuse me. He gave up the two run home run in the second, yeah. but they're kind of treading water a little bit. They answer a two in the top of the third, and then things really kind of go haywire in the, th- in the bottom of the fourth inning. Malnato let off with a home run. You got a Bradfield double and a DS single and another single for you're out of it. And again, not a lot of this is soft contact. And it led me to, I don't know if you want to call this a hypothesis or a theory, but with Carter Holton on the other side, Jack Doherty is a perfectly useful pitcher for Ole Miss. He's pitched in some really big spots. He's pitched in a lot of big games. He had a great start in game one of the college world series in which he cobbled together five innings, allowed them to get out to an early lead. But in terms of like a pure stuff standpoint, isn't there, wasn't there a pretty sharp discrepancy between the guy on the hill for Vanderbilt on Friday night and what Ole Miss had. And I think if this theory to some degree extends to their entire pitching staff, But you talk about Doherty's pitch count just spiked so quickly. I mean, he made it four innings. And I think, if I remember right, I'm going to check it real quick. Yeah, it was a 98-pitch outing in four innings. And they worked so many counts and so many – like the pitch count spiked so quickly. There just seems to be, particularly on the starting pitching staff, a lack of put-away stuff, maybe when Sonia's good being the lone exception, that it just – I don't know. That stuck out to me. On Thursday night, and while Doherty, again is a perfectly useful pitcher for Ole Miss, the discrepancy on what other teams are going to run out there on Friday night versus what Ole Miss is until Elliott gonna gets back gets back is kind of jarring to me. Well,
2: yeah. So, so here's the thing, right? When you talk about this team, because it's impossible to avoid this, when you discuss where they are on Friday nights, right? If, if, if everything was right. Uh, Who would be starting on Friday nights for Ole Miss? Like, like it's it's Hunter Elliott, right? You know, if he's healthy, Hunter Elliott is the guy they run out there on Friday nights. All right. Well, if, like, going into, you know, ending last year in the College World Series, if they had told Ole Miss, hey, Hunter's going to be down for a little while, okay, who who do you think is going to be on Friday nights after that? Probably Nick Pogue, right? Yes. Probably Nick Pogue. after that, if they said, hey, you know, um, Nick Moe's going to go pro, well, they're probably hoping that maybe Jackson Ferris gets to campus, right? Maybe he's the Friday guy. And after that, you know, maybe a guy like Josh Mallett is your Friday night guy. I think if they were honest with themselves, they think Jack Doherty is a a dominant closer that is being forced into a role that he's not – Best suited for, but they just don't have anybody else for that role. So, so and, and people have asked this question. It's like, hey, can can you know? is Ole said, it's best with Jack on Friday nights. Here's the reality of the situation. Just for me, if you put anybody else on Friday nights at this point, you're conceding the game. I, I think that's. I think. Look, I don't think there's anybody else on that roster right now that can go win on Friday nights. May, maybe you disagree with me, and, and that's fine. But I think if you're going to have a shot on Friday nights, he's got to be your dude. So yeah, you're right. Carter Holton versus him from a from a stuff and repertoire standpoint, not the same thing. But he's the only option that you have right now because of just some bad luck and, and one guy going pro. It just kind of is, is what it is.
1: Yeah, and again, I, you said that well because I didn't. I don't have like a. I, I pointed that out, not necessarily even to, it's, and I know you picked up on this too, but like not to even necessarily suggest that like, hey, they got to do something different. I just think it really kind of underscores the odd place that they're in. Because yeah. as you point out, there's nothing else they really can do. I mean, I think the one option, maybe if someone's out there listening in the car or whatever, sitting there thinking, what about Mason Nichols? And I, I, that would be the one other option. Yeah. But I guess the, the, the argument against Nichols is really he's kind of a two-pitch guy, never done it before but like if you were going to make a move like if they put a gun to mike's head and they're like you have to change something right now that'd be the only other feasible option right i mean that also kind of paints a picture of where they're at from that standpoint but i guess i'll lead it to you why not Nichols? uh well
2: the the and and i'd need to go see um Trackman man and rapsodo and all of that to to be uh concise with this answer but if if the change-up's not where it needs to be. And I don't know if it is or isn't. Uh, that's just simply not an option. You, you you can't run the guy out there that's only got two pitches on the, on the Friday night in the SEC. Um, but that would be the only other option. The issue is, do you, are you comfortable throwing a guy out there that's that's always closed and always been out of the bullpen into the, the you know, penultimate role of Friday night in the SEC? Um, and I know everybody's like, well, Jack Doherty did it. Ugh. Okay. Jack Doherty started games in two thousand and twenty one. Jack Doherty started started games in two thousand and twenty-two. Be a whole different scenario if you did that. Um so I don't know. I, I, I just that, that that's not something and then if you did that, are you gonna move Jack back to the bullpen? Um I I don't know. It's I just kinda think that they are where they are because of some bad luck and some bad fortune and um they're just gonna have to kinda ride this until Hunter Elliott hopefully gets back.
1: Which is why it's important that they win a couple of Sunday games by mashing the ball, even when the pitching's not great, and even give you a chance on Saturday because – or game two. Um, I, we're going to go back and forth on that terminology this year again. But <laughs> that's that's also kind of another piece of it too. It's like, okay, so they end up that, – that was a competitive game through what? I don't know. Get it through all the way, I guess, when Vandy put up the fourth spot in the sixth inning. Because it was a 3-2 game entering the bottom of the sixth inning. Vandy puts up the uh, – no, excuse me. Sorry, I have the wrong date up. That was. Uh, bad of me anyway it, they get the six run eighth inning and the game ends on that on the 10 run rule they tried to get morell in to kind of hold it together a little bit then it turns into can he just bridge you to the next day where you don't have to waste another arm and then all of a sudden the game doesn't go to the ninth inning and then the next day it's kind of a little bit of the same story right i mean you have yeah um, you have grayson shania who goes four and a third he allowed four run runs on nine hits couple uh five strikeouts a couple walks it walks weren't as much the issue for him, though I think, you know, Mike talked about him being terrific or good or whatever he called it through the first three or four innings. He did kind of dance around some trouble and get it, you know, escape from a couple crowded base pass there in the first and or in the second and third innings. I think he stranded two runners apiece in those innings. And then it looks like in the fifth, when things like he was about to get off the field after one run, only one run scored. And on an o two pitch, he just makes a brutal mistake where the thing just catches pretty much all of the plate and Austin for Vanderbilt homer and all of a sudden it's a five nothing or a four nothing game and you really feel like you're shredding uphill with the way Vanderbilt's Hunter Owen was pitching. It's kind of the same thing on Saturday. Do you view that any differently? Do you think there's anything they can do to change things on Saturday or do you kind of view that as is what it is too like um, I, I don't know what else you can do from the starting pitching standpoint. It's a very so- I Sorry, I was just saying say that the so options fun. do not seem there like they were last year.
2: I think Ole Miss has the best three available guys starting games on the weekends. We can argue the order. Uh, we can argue, you know, what, what they need to do from that standpoint. I don't think that I would take someone out of the starting rotation and insert another human being. I think they've got um, the three people that they need to start games in there. Look, Sonia is going to be really good. Uh, but he's not going to be really good if you just throw him in the bullpen and forget about him. Um, so, you know, uh, you got to work through some stuff with him. And quite frankly, like everybody's, I, I know last week everybody was, you know, Hey, let, let's play Sonia. And I understood that but quite frankly is who you're going to replace him with worth taking away the experience from the kid that, you know, is going to be special, um, probably not if, if there was that clear-cut option then maybe but like there's not there's nobody in the bullpen that you look at and say hey that that guy can uh that guy will be really good there's not the Doug Nikhazy in 2019 who's dominating midweek starts and shoving against Louisville and you're like hey if we just put that guy in the rotation the guy doesn't exist right now for a month so um I don't I don't know if you know he's the only option that I think would be to come out of the rotation um and quite frankly I don't think that whoever you put in is worth um, taking that experience away from him at this point because, quite frankly, nobody in the bullpen has shown that they're going to be that great either.
1: Yeah, I'm with you again, too. I don't I don't know what else you would do other than potentially switch him and Rivas because Rivas gave you a little bit more competitive effort there good. in game three. He's pitched pretty well the last three weeks, all things considered.
2: Yeah, Rivas was good. I could make an argument that they should switch Rivas and Sonia because I think, if if I'm on miss and and I lose on Friday night, um Revis is the guy that I want in that role to hey, go get me back even, um, instead of Sonia. I, I think I would wind up switching those.
1: Because that's the kind of game, like, particularly, and I get know it's a little bit different in game two in terms of who you're going to face on the other side, but, like, that Saturday game, that's the type of game that, like, you need that offense to go win 9-7 to seven or, you know, 8-6 yeah. or whatever. is. I know it ended up being 7-2, to two, but somewhere in that kind of mid-close-to-double-digit range, that's the kind of, like, territory Ole Miss has to live in and succeed in more times than it doesn't, and that just didn't happen for them this weekend, which puts them down behind the eight ball a little bit, but... Again, another stat that I had written down to kind of highlight the offensive trouble is, Uh Hunter Owen retired the last 23 batters he faced on Friday in game two. And Ole Miss had the side retired in order in the bottom of the first inning. And then I think the first guy flew out or something to start the second or Alderman struck out for the Gonzalez home That was 27 in a row the Vanderbilt pitching staff sat out against this Ole Miss offense in a row before they got another base runner from the second inning on the Friday game to the second inning um in the Saturday finale that's pretty jarring
2: yeah no no um they they got into a rhythm and um just attacked. I I I thought look I don't know if I'm right in saying this but I thought the pitch clock kind of worked to Ole Miss's disadvantage on, on Thursday because man
1: Carter Holton got that ball and was ready to go did you notice how fast he worked Yes, but I noticed that a little bit in the SEC tournament last year. Like, I don't know if okay. he sped it up to use it to his advantage a little bit, almost like Scherzer was, because everyone's thinking about the pitch clock more. But that dude, he he doesn't waste so much, a lot of time. He's 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 ready to uh, rock and roll. But that that piece of it definitely kept Ole Miss more off balance than they already were against Holton. They that I noticed that a couple of times where they're like, "Damn, he he." It's not a quick pitch, but man, he's no. making sure they don't have a ton of time
2: ball go like um and man when you talk about uh, that that guy doesn't really you know shake or whatever so the coach is yelling what he wants into the walk and talkie they're putting fingers down i mean they're throwing three pitches in 25 seconds um it felt like so no uh, look vanderbilt was really good on the mound um but you're going to see a lot of really good on the mound i don't know if it was i can't remember if it was last year the year before but we looked up and said hey man the arms aren't as good as they usually are in this league that's not the case anymore i think it was two years ago uh, Thorns are good in this league. You got to find a way to compete. The uh, the arms are going to be good next weekend. Brandon Sprots a stud. Hurston Waldrop's a stud, and the kid on Sunday, Jack Stagley I don't know. He uh, he throws ninety eight from the left side and hits balls five hundred miles an hour off his bat. So he's really good too. Uh, you got to go find a way to compete that's 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 the name of the game Ole Miss has to in, in my opinion has to figure out a way to win two games next weekend I think if you next, leave next weekend one and five you're kind of behind the eight ball at that point
1: oh I, I I totally agree there I mean that I mean you talk about the the front half of their schedule too I mean that's that 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 makes for really really tough sledding because this, there's this is also not some sort of finish line type deal with Elliott thing right like it's not like, hey, he comes back. Like, I think they may be estimated roughly the State Series. And not only is it not guaranteed he comes back then, whenever it is he does come back, it's not like he's going to immediately be or can – is. I know they might expect it, but, like, it's not guaranteed that he's just Hunter Elliott again immediately, right? I mean, I think This is a, not – this
2: is not where Kevin Graham comes back from the wrist dish injury, yes. injury last year and plugs into the four hole. It'll take a minute. I would be shocked. Maybe I'm wrong. I would be shocked if the first time Hunter Elliott is available to pitch, he starts on a Friday night. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think that's how they break him back in.
1: Which is makes what we're discussing almost even more paramount if this team is going to keep its head above water. And not to belabor the point there, but as you pointed out earlier in the show, that's what makes the Sunday game or game three. I'm gonna do that all year. Whatever. Bear with me. <laughs> So crucial because again, like you said, if Ole Miss gets out of their one and two, it's like, damn, they got mowed down by the pitching managed to salvage one. Let's see if you can go back and take two somehow at home against Florida. And then all of a sudden you're three and three and you're two weekends into this thing. Right. I mean, the, the getting swept piece of it. I mean, for just from a sheer math perspective for a team, that's trying to stay afloat margin for error is already thin and making it even thinner when you don't take a single game. And I know I'm pointing out the obvious there, but like you said, I mean, even look, Like we'll play the hypothetical out. Had they won the game today and then Florida gets them with better pitching again next weekend and you're two and four heading into whatever your series you're in, that's like, a, you can still see a path because you got some home series coming up in the month of April. I believe you have three of them, but like one and five, it's like, whoa, you really got to make up some ground here. And so Again, I don't know that they're going to have to win um, one of those Sunday games in that middle range, and the offense let them down this weekend. But I don't want to belabor that piece of it too much. Um kind of looking at a couple other notes that I had from the weekend on this, you mentioned the defense wasn't great on the Friday, or particularly in the Friday game that or Thursday, they had the four errors. It's hard to knock the guy because he's hitting so well. Have you noticed a little bit of a drop-off in teams running on Ole Miss and their ability to generate outs by other teams foolishly trying to move on the base pass on them? They've had a couple issues with that this year, and I don't know what the success rate versus fail rate is, but it doesn't seem like they're throwing dudes out as often as they've become accustomed to through the years. Maybe I should probably look that up, but that's just something I noticed through the weekend. I don't know if you did too.
2: Um. I'll be honest, I haven't uh, noticed that. I can actually look. I have their stats up here. Um, I will say this: the last two dudes that caught for Ole Miss were really good, uh, and and Fortes was good too. But the last two dudes in Dunhurst and in, in Cooper Johnson were really, really good at throwing out runners. Um, so you know, it kind of just if if Cal was not throwing out runners at an elite level, it just it's kind of like that thing when you look at you remember when Matt Corral played quarterback his first year and Ole Miss fans were just so spoiled um, because they always had really good quarterback play and they were having to break somebody in yes. um, for the first time. It kind of feels like that. Like you're so used to watching um, Hayden Dunhurst and, and Cooper Johnson do it that you know when when a guy like Cal who maybe doesn't throw as well as them um, it maybe looks a little bit different. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. To back it up to some degree. Uh... Harris has been run on nineteen times. He's thrown out yeah. three of them.
2: Three of nineteen. See, that's, no, that's not good. I mean, he's letting eighty eighty four percent steal. That's not great. You would prefer it be you know seventy five ish or less. Um, certainly not great. Um, but you know, it's it's something that that obviously you you hope that that he gets better at it the more he catches because you got to remember too. Now this is the first time he's caught in in three years since high school. Right, um, so it's uh, it's something that he's going to have to get used to, and, and hopefully, over time, gets better at.
1: You had a hitless weekend for Ethan Leje at third base. This has been a very hot message board topic. What do you think the defense against uh, like trying Garrett Wood there for a little bit is? I mean, that guy went from um, kind of starting in Omaha to really, not really sniffing much of a chance to play regularly at third base.
2: Leger has struck out six times and I'm trying to figure this up, six times in 74, 77 and 77, 84 bats, six times in 84 bats. So he strikes out at a 7% lift. Um, some of that, look, his bad luck that, that he's hitting what he is. And some of it is maybe he doesn't hit the, uh, hit the balls base, hit the baseball as hard as they'd like. I think that would be the argument is that, that he's putting the ball in play and he's not being overwhelmed at the plate. Um, and that, that frankly, I think they think he's, he's got a pretty high ceiling. I thought he's, I think he's played a decent third base. Um, I think what's saving him from, from staying in the lineup is that he's not overwhelmed and doesn't K a ton.
1: Fair enough. Just something that I had written down from the weekend. That's been talked about a decent bit, at least particularly on our message board in those circles. Um I gotta say, Vanderbilt, I don't know what they were picked preseason in the SEC East, but if that team continues to hit, they're gonna be kind of an SOB to deal with, man. Those two guys particularly oh, Thursday and Friday were unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how many like two three ball counts they had between Thursday and Friday, but it wasn't very many. I mean, Hunter Owen, like I had a I had one instance where <laughs> Old Miss uh, Miss finished up an inning in the field. I walked outside to go throw away my trash, and they already had two outs in the inning. And then all of a sudden, two pitches later, I sit back down and Owen's walking off the field again. I was like, I swear to God, I was gone like 35 seconds. I mean, this, it was kind of unbelievable. Those two dudes were incredible. And you knew what you were getting with Holton. I hadn't really seen Owen throw before, but man, if Vanderbilt hits, they're going to be um, a team to be heard from, kind of seemingly along with Florida there in the East. That was, I was pretty impressed with Vanderbilt. I don't know. What this weekend is going to end up saying more of about the Ole Miss pitching or the Vanderbilt offense, but man, if they hit to some degree, they're going to be tough. Particularly given all three of those dudes come from the left side.
2: Yeah, I think that's something to monitor going forward is how they swing it um, going forward. Because if, if they don't, they go back and revert back to hitting like they did. Um, you know, pre Ole Miss, that's concerning. Maybe maybe they figure something out. But they, they look Vanderbilt will always have arms, um, and and they've got three pretty solid ones right now. So, um, look, you're hoping you're hopeful if old for if you're an old Miss fan that you just ran into a buzzsaw this weekend and that um it was an aberration that they'll be ready to go on um next weekend. I will say, looking at because um, 'cause I've kind of perused all three mess well two of the message boards this weekend um old miss fans i I expected like this to be the weekend that that everybody was getting fired and everybody was gonna lose their minds again. It wasn't that bad everybody, everybody was still pretty chill, so everybody's still uh. Still okay with the fact that they won the national
1: title two year, or
2: last year, so um, no
1: nobody freaked out. <laughs> no, and not that it would have really matter that they did. But beyond the fact that you know, I saw this a lot of sentiment with state people last year, and I talked about it with some of the you know people that I'm friends with that are media over there, where it was like when they were struggling, particularly to begin the year, and I think the end of it kind of wore on them. But particularly to begin the year, it was like ah oh, whatever they won the national title. I think a lot of the pe- the, the, the Source of kind of the tameness of sentiment with old miss people in that aspect of it too, is you saw them. It was the inverse of like your typical Bianco season, right? I mean, like, typically, like Bianco, most of the time they'd be great in the regular season. And then it's like, oh man, what's going to happen in the postseason? Last year, you saw them dip to as low as you could possibly get, right? The seven and 14 mark, uh, at the when they left Fayetteville, Arkansas was the worst mark through that many games in the history of the Bianco era. And then they won the whole thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Ole Miss people kind of saw for the first time the other side of college baseball and how you can kind of do that. Now, Ole Miss last year was the extreme of the extreme when it came to that. But, like, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, it's March. Like, you can get swept opening weekend and things will turn out – like, can still turn out completely fine. I feel like there's a patience level that was learned last year beyond just winning the national title, but just like, oh, you mean – getting swept by Tennessee in March didn't make that big of a difference. Like granted, <laughs> three, four weekends in a row and you're like, all right, you've caused for concern. But I think it caused people not to freak out as much about one single weekend, I guess. As yeah.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
2: And, and I'll be honest, um, I think this team is talented enough to, to host a regional and, and do all those types of things. Um, but when you talk about the, the unfortunate um, situation with Elliot and the, the mallets being down for the year, it may just be a situation where, Hey, get this team into a regional and be at full strength when June rolls around. I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that, that hosting's out of the conversation after this weekend, certainly at all. Uh, but I do think with, with when you look at this rotation and you look at kind of the offense and, and, and everything, maybe the situation where you show up as somebody's two seed. Um, and whoever, you, whoever's two seed you are is absolutely pissed off.
1: And yes. And again, not to make too dramatic. Of a um, declaration after one weekend, but given everything we're talking about and kind of the struggles they have, and it being somewhat unknown when Elliot when Elliot will actually come back, that does look. I mean, look, I don't want to get into hosting conversations again the first weekend of SEC <laughs> play in mid March, but it does a little bit change, like maybe what you think the ceiling is for this team entering Selection Sunday, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No,
2: I don't think especially if Elliott is out and takes a little while to, to get reacclimated. I don't think this is probably a national C team. Maybe borderline host two seed-ish is kind of where i put them um, right now. And, and, look, maybe I'm dead wrong. I was dead wrong on this team last year. Um, but I, if you made me guess right now, they're the 15th or 16th host or a uh, top, top-ish two seed. I don't think they're as bad as they've played this weekend.
1: Last thing I wanted to really get to in terms of just kind of major Ole Miss notes on this is I know I talked, I kind of not pitched to the idea, but did the, we had the discussion regarding of like, Hey, can you take anyone out of this rotation and put anyone back in? Do you switch the order? What's the best thing to do? The bottom line is Ole Miss is not getting near enough length from its starters. Even if you're going to no. stick with the same guys, you've got to find a way, particularly in games one and game two, to get to five, to get you through five, because that really taxes your bullpen and puts you at a little bit more of a disadvantage depending on how the pitching in terms of who comes out of the bullpen the first two days shakes out in that series finale. They've got to find a way to get a little bit more length. But in terms of using Mason Nichols, and you know, I don't call him he is the team's de facto closer right now. Sure. Um But he is coming in earlier in games than you would think of a closer. And that's mostly because for the course of the last week, Ole Miss has been, you know, behind in particular. Do you give any credits the idea of changing the way you use Mason Nichols at all to try to supplement the link that you're not getting from your starters, if that makes sense? Like, do you bring him in on kind of a feel basis, not feel basis, but like situational basis where it's like I, you know, 3-2 3-2 game here in the six. Maybe we're down a run. Let's see if we can get him in to finish this out versus kind of setting the, setting it up to get to him, if that makes sense. Because it just doesn't seem like they have a lot of proven options. At the end of the day, they're going to have to cover more innings more efficiently than they've done.
2: Yeah, I think that would be a, a, a perfect way to kind of supplement Friday or Saturday, especially you know with the hope being that you're going to score a good amount of runs on, on Sunday. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's not a bad idea at all. I do think you, you've got to do some some different things to contrive the most value out of Mason Nichols for sure, because obviously he's your best bullpen arm at this point. Um, and, and didn't really throw a, a meaningful pitch this weekend. Because quite frankly, once the game, once he came in the game, and I know what Mike was doing when he brought Quinn in, but once, once Nichols came into the game, the game was all but over. Um. So, so he doesn't throw a high leverage pitch this weekend. So certainly, there, there there's got to be they've got to figure out. I'm sure that's the the topic of conversation maybe in that office tomorrow is how do we get Mason Nichols to be more involved in in our high leverage situations um, if it's not going to be from a starting perspective. So certainly, I think they're going to figure out a way to to get him into more roles and and more opportunities with the game on the
1: line. Yeah, because that is ultimately what it comes down to. It's like, what is it good having him waiting back there for the eighth or the ninth inning if you can't necessarily get it there? So I'm just curious, like, if they tweet that piece of it at all. Um, you know, we talked about Mike Bianco kind of always seemingly figuring the pitching out. And last year, I think we said, what, a million times, like, man, this was his toughest test. And then we looked up in June, and damn it, that guy solved it again. I, can we? Rec- I don't know if we recant our statements because it, it was true at the time. Can we can we can we say it again? Do you think this is per, perhaps his toughest test? Because at the end of the day, yeah. I, I, I'm struggling for. Like, we could at least post theories. Like we had the deluge. We were kind of early on the Delusia theory, and even the Hunter Elliott theory. Remember that weekend he didn't start against Alabama because Alabama was good against lefties. We're like, huh. Not to second guess the guy. That's probably a no, no no, no, no. That was actually the that was actually the
2: opposite. He did start Elliott. They didn't start Delucia that week. That's what it was. So yes,
1: sorry, I screwed yeah. that up. That it was it was not starting Delucia after he'd come yeah. off that. Uh, yeah, Jimmy threw State. to open the Kentucky series. Yeah, you're right. That's an important correction. So he, it, like. Do Is this his toughest test? I'll just ask you that. Like, does this yeah, come tougher? Because I don't even know like what it. some of this stuff looks like. We could put together hypotheticals last year, and I'm having trouble. It's probably why this podcast sounds like me grasping at straws. I'm having trouble <laughs> presenting scenarios to you to you say, yeah, that could work or that couldn't. Like, I don't know yeah. what else to say.
2: Well, it's kind of like the point you made. It's like you don't you don't look at this team, and, and it's like – and I don't – Jack Doherty is the only guy that can't – and I feel like that's an issue, right? When you, look, when you look when you looked at Ole Miss last year, even last year, when they weren't very good on the mound, right, um, they had dudes that could go pitch on Friday night in the SEC. If you put Hunter Elliott last night on Friday night in the SEC, at the end of the year, he'd have been fine. If you had put Dylan Delusha, obviously was fine. You could have put Brandon Johnson. You could have turned him into one. You could have maybe put Doherty. You could have maybe put Malitz. They had dudes that could go take the ball on a Friday or Saturday, and you knew they would be fine. Right now, you've got one dude that you trust to throw on Friday, which tells me you don't have, an, at this current time, you don't have a lot of elite pitching. Um, th- does that make sense? Like, you don't yes, have the options to And go to add to on that, it's on really Friday.
1: what's crystallized with the injuries, right? Because, like, this conversation would be less redundant and way more fruitful if you had a healthy Riley Maddox and you had a healthy yeah. Josh And Hell, for a good measure, let's we'll just say Nick Pogue doesn't go pro. If things had been bad to this point, and those three guys are healthy, we could be talking about hypotheticals all day. It's like, hey, could you find a way to start Riley Maddox? I'm, Josh Mallet surely at this point, I figured would have gotten an opportunity yes. to start given the way things had gone. And then whatever Nick is, he probably projected as a starter, maybe you're talking about like, hey, what do you do with Revis? What do you do with Sonye? That type of stuff. The absence of those three guys for injury and a little bit of bad luck in the portal is why you're kind of grasping straws, right? I mean, that's kind of the putting the bow on the conversation, is not?
2: I'll be honest. I'm not a a college baseball recruiting expert, um, and you may not know the answer to this either. Is it possible, and, and this sounds dumb, but is it possible that the two weeks they spent in Nebraska hurt them in the portal?
1: Ooh, I like this. Okay, I don't know. So, because I don't know, again, this is an unanswerable question because I don't know the inner workings of how that, like, the recruit talk about I'm less familiar with the basketball recruiting timetable than I am football, and you talk about recruiting, like, timetable and how that works <laughs> for baseball. Your guy has no clue over here, and I'm just going to full sure. disclosure, not going to pretend to there. But I saw Jeff Goodman point out a similar thing to what you're pointing out regarding the basketball thing. The portal, like the season, regular season ends, all these dudes on bad teams get in the portal, and Jeff Goodman was like, can can we fix this? Because these teams that are in the NCAA tournament are having to have assistants balance their time between NCAA tournament game plans and calling kids, while the bad teams can just focus on going and getting those kids, right? Like, maybe it did. I, I don't know, but I don't think your theory. I feel like it did is totally because, nuts. Now does that change a, a little bit with the draft being what it is in may you know it seems like post draft like you can assess the landscape and like what do you got but still completely like there is some credence to what you're talking about.
2: Well, I I will say this I know like I think you had to be in the portal last year by like July 1. Yeah. Um so I I don't know. I just wonder if if cuz I do know that that is the heavy time for for recruiting is I do know this when they didn't go to Omaha in 2021 um and they were dealing with the whole Bianco and LSU stuff. Miss was recruiting like mad during that while while the college world series was going on. So, I and, and I'm not look, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I, I do think there is an element somewhat of like crap happens. Like stuff happens. It just it, this may be one of the years where it just doesn't work out as far as hosting and being a national seed and you just hope that you're really good and in June and and can make another run. Um but for for so long, right? Up until last year, Ole Miss had, had frankly pretty decent fortune when it came to injuries and whatnot for a long time. And and for you know, uh this year it's just for whatever reason they've been kind of bit with some bad luck and it's not anybody's fault. That's the thing. Everybody's like looking around for who to blame for for not being great on the mound. It's like I don't I don't know if there is anybody because quite frankly, I trust that Carl Afferty has recruited good players because he always does. And I, and I trust that the guy in the dugout is going to figure out the pitching staff because he always does. Um, so when you talk about like, Hey, why, why aren't these guys performing right now? One, because they're having to, they're being forced to rely on guys that are going to take time to develop. There's no other, like you have to go through the the fire and get burned sometimes so that guys can be good. That's just how it works. And usually, and the, the hope is always that you've got more veteran guys that you can rely on and, and maybe relinquish some of that fire and some of, some of. those tough experiences, but quite frankly, the guys that they were relying on, I went and figured this out the other day. They have like 15% of their pitching from last year available. They have like 18% from the postseason run last year available. It's just going to take time. It is what it is. It's nobody's fault. Some people got hurt. Some people went pro, and that is what it is. But it's just going to take time, and dudes are going to have to go through and get beat up a little bit before this turns out to how you want it to turn out.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, they have two healthy dudes that are currently available right now that threw 10 or more innings on last year's team. And even if you throw in, say it didn't happen to Elliott, it's three. And that's already going to make for a thin margin of error. And then you have an injury and you end up in the position that they're in. The problem is, is on a weekend like this, where you could kind of save face a little bit if you didn't go win the series and you lost two out of three, the offense let them down and, you know, a team where the margin for error is already thin, it became even thinner because you weren't able to win a kind of slugfest of a Sunday game. And maybe it's the fact that Vanderbilt just threw pretty da- three pretty damn good left-handed arms and Ole Miss struggled with it, and it's a little bit of a one-off. But, I mean, the counter to that is this league is a bear. And, again, last year, it was two years ago some, but it was last year, too, what you were talking about when we had the starting, the starting pitching conversation across the league. Last year was more injury-induced uh, because of the Landon yeah. Sims. Because of, uh Paulette, not Paulette. Yeah. who was the kid at, at Arkansas last year? It was um, Paulette. It was Paulette last year? I thought that was Paulette this year. Maybe I was wrong. No, pa- uh,
2: uh, Wiggins this year.
1: Wiggins this year, that's right, yeah. So and, and a couple others around the league. And so that's not the case anymore. I mean, but again, your guy Paul Skeens is putting on like a Heisman trophy. Oh, my God. That's campaign. Yeah, dude, it's. It's something – I wasn't going to watch any of that. I had nothing to do Oh, the old Miss game is on. I kept seeing Kendall and a couple people tweet about it, and I was like, all right, I'll throw on it. I think I caught his fourth and fifth inning. Who, buddy. Dude, he sat 98 to 100, and that thing was moving. Um, was Jay Johnson – Wipeout slaughter. I, I, Jay Johnson said – and I get it's his guy. What is he going to say? Like, actually, this dude's not that good. I know he's getting a ton of people out right now, but we actually think he sucks. We just hope he continues this. <laughs> But he – I mean, look, he said it's the best he's seen since Mark Pryor and Steven Strasburg. Do you know how good you have to be to have a college baseball coach who has been around the block just pull those names out of his hat on a whim?
2: It was 90 – dude, A&M can rake, and he made them look silly.
1: I. Right. You LSU finally saw better. it come to fruition. a and wins kind of a wild Sunday game to salvage oh, a game. Really? Wow. Like similar importance of what Ole Miss was talking about. And it's because LSU finally got past the first four or five guys, like, you know, Skeens, the Saturday guy, and a couple arms in the bullpen. And it's like, oh, this offense actually isn't that bad. But on Friday night, you would have never known that.
2: Oh, they look like they had never played baseball. I did not know A&M won today. How
1: about that? Um, yeah, they who, came who back. They were down 4 nothing, and they came back and won, I think like 9-7 or something. Well they were down six to four in the eighth. Wow. Um who does LSU
2: throw on Sundays? Let's see. I mean I would figure Christian Little was involved somewhere. Um, but I don't know. That. Let's see. LSU threw they threw Little at the end. He blew it. Um they started herd. I, yeah, LSU's silly, man. They're 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 really, really good. That that kid, he's one of look, um I thought Casey Myes was absurd. Hey, he's better than Casey Myes. And and Casey Miles was really good, but man, he, he may be unheadable.
1: He's pretty damn good. And that's what, again, that to kind of get back on track to what you're talking about, like that's, that's the counter here is it's, it's, it's not going to get any easier if you're Ole Miss, right? I mean, look, I know they had success against Hurston Waldrop uh, last year, but that kid appears to be even better. Um, And he's at Florida next weekend. You're going to face a couple of really good arms, um, and then again, I, I don't know. It's just, there, there's really no let up in this league. Did Alabama salvage that last game on Friday? They played a series that ended on Friday because of a doubleheader. Did you see that? Wait, say that again. Uh, Florida and Alabama played, their series was over by Friday at like 7 PM. Yeah. Ole Miss has done that before. Um, Double Arkansas decker weekend circa 2017 yeah. at Arkansas because uh, your guy was there, and then I got back by like six in the morning on Saturday morning. I was like, All right, it's double decker you, time. You, but, wait a second, you drove through the night? No, 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 sorry, I screwed that up. I woke up at about 5 a.m. in Fayetteville and then was back for like all the double decker festivities by like <laughs> 10 30, 11. You That's were what I'm that no, I was not there in Oxford at 6 a.m. Sorry, yes. <laughs> <Not laughs> Dude, that drive, coming particularly time. that area between Fayetteville and Little Rock, where it's kind of mountainous, your guy might have ended up in a ravine, and that just be. i was the just to say, are,
2: are you uh, are you okay driving long distances by yourself?
1: Um, uh, yeah, yeah, for the most part, I don't love long, long ones at night. Um, okay, I get dangerous with the Red Bull at that point, from a sheer safety <laughs> standpoint. Like I'm talking the the absolute like fence red bulls, Joe, no, no, I don't need four or five. Just give me the 36 ounce or whatever it is. Um, and just to stay alert. So I'm good driving tonight. Most of the time, I don't know how good I would have been driving through the night at something like that, because you know, the last hour and a half to two hours, or I guess first hour and a half to two hours when, if you're leaving Fayetteville kind of go around those little foothill mountains. And it's like, Hey, if I'm not paying attention here, this this could get sideways in a hurry, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah, we uh Fayetteville is
2: not a uh not a fun place to drive to and from. I like Fayetteville. I like Fayetteville a lot actually. Um but yeah, you can uh, you can run off the road very very easily um uh, going there if you're you're not paying attention.
1: Yes, you can. And I wanted to pull it up a second ago, but I watched a little bit of this Thursday game between Florida and Alabama. And the Sproat kid went nine innings and a one hitter. I knew it was quick and I knew it was efficient. You got a, he went nine innings, 106 pitches, struck out 11 and walked too. That's what old Miss got. The You got that in. box score pulled up? Yes, I did. That, that game. That game took. Oh my God. I noticed this because I was watching it. An hour 50.
2: <laughs> hour 50. They were getting it, dude. Like, I kept turning over, and Alabama was getting out.
1: Dude, I they wasn't were... paying much attention between the old Miss game and the NCAA tournament stuff, but I put it on from, like, the 4th to the 7th, and it was very, very half-assed watching. Holy cow. Well, again, you also yeah, didn't I'm have understand. a run scored until uh, Florida put up the pair in the 6th or whatever it was, right? So, like, you're moving, and then Alabama, man, I'll, hour 50. That's another random note I had. The pitch clock is making these games faster. Um, I was doing Mike's presser before the three hour mark all three days. Did you, I, I don't know if you noticed that, but and those games drag. Yeah. And if you're making, if, if, you, if you're, if you're a fan of like making the game quicker, that pitch clock seemingly is working those games. And I'll look up the Ole Miss game time here in a second on all three of those. Um, but those, all three of those for Ole Miss move too. Now, not to that degree, obviously, but, um, I don't know if you've noticed that as well, but the pitch clock is absolutely making a difference.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the 12 2
1: run work. rule game was 240. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Saturday uh, two, or Friday, 224. I've just got them all up right now. I just go ahead and roll through it. And have, hey, speaking on that, have you noticed like any issues with the pitch
2: clock? Like, I haven't seen a strike or a ball awarded in a couple of weekends now. It's almost like they got used to
1: it. I have not. One, I noticed one off the top of my head against Maryland um that Ole Miss had and I think there was one issue I don't remember if it involved Ole Miss or did not involve Ole Miss in Minnesota in a game they were involved in obviously I just don't remember if it went to or in favor but I haven't really noticed anything since but your three game times two twenty, 220, two twenty-four, and 240 this weekend yeah of course um play. oh another random note as we wrap up this discussion uh Vandy Whistler not dead not not dead he did not die um, uh,
2: contrary to popular message board belief, over the last few weeks,
1: it was a Tennessee reporter troll account. That guy that pretends to be a Knoxville-based yeah. like national reporter or whatever, but it is a troll account. Um, I guess if you're ranking the trolls, that's a that's a pretty handy one because that'll get people up in arms. Look, I'm not going to wish ill on people or wish ill on the alive or hypothetical dead. But when I did find out he was still alive, I just thought false report. That was about it. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Coach, um,
2: so can I say something? I understand at, at games that dude is annoying. For whatever reason, I don't hear it on TV. I know he's there, and if I, like, make myself listen for it, I can hear it. But if I'm just casually watching, um, I, I don't just hear it.
1: So it was a, it was a what do you want to hear and what do you not want to hear situation for me on the Whistler this weekend. I could hear it clearly if I happened to notice it and then I'd listen and then I like for the next like five batters, I could hear it because I li- right. like noticed it in my subconscious and then like list. And then I guess I came to listen for it fading out. I will say there is a piece of the Saturday finale where I flipped on Kellum and Brad Henderson because I had to go pick up food and it it's not a great time on radio. I'll say that he, he makes his presence a lot more felt on the radio broadcast it is it's not a great thing in all seriousness if you're the sec don't you have to at some point put a stop to that that's i mean yes if i was running the sec but i like college baseball and i know the sec doesn't like hate college baseball to some degree but i just imagine on the list of priorities in terms of what they need to get fixed the annoying guy who whistles like an asshole at Vanderbilt baseball games is probably pretty low on it, unfortunately for us. I'd elevate that thing to number one. I'd put that at the top of the list. That would be on my Monday agenda. So you're preaching to the choir. I'm not disagreeing with you or or, uh, mitigating your plight. I just, from the eyes of the SEC, I got to say that's a little lower on their priority list. So you're saying when you take over the SEC, like day one we're getting rid of getting rid of that. I would walk into the room if I ran the SEC. We'd have a meeting centered around this. I'd make sure all cameras and recording devices are off. And I'd be like, look, does anyone know anyone with mafia ties? Can this be an accident? <laughs> I won't be clear. That's Brian Riffey really saying that. <laughs> oh, God. um. I- yeah, good lord. I, no, um, I mean I, I'm halfway kidding, but I would I if I was SEC commissioner, I'd make that a higher priority. It sucks. It ju- it's it just sucks. There's no other that, way.
2: It. That's I honest to God root for them to miss Omaha. Well, one because I don't really like Vanderbilt baseball. He he can ruin. Then I hear it in Omaha when they're there. He ruins um, Hoover reason- too. Yeah, Hoover's awful as well. Because uh, usually I'm at Hoover and it's like, oh my god, somebody shut him up. Apparently, like an Ole Miss fan, uh, not Mintz, but a couple of years ago, like an Ole Miss fan, like basically slapped him.
1: Uh, he he he's not the uh, he's not the uh, he's not a passive oh, by any any phrase. Like he if is. you walk up and say anything to him, no matter how nice it is, it's it, it's like let's drop the gloves, buddy, or let's let's lawyer up. Like he's he's very confrontational. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, hopefully that gets uh, you know what I. I don't have anything else to say about the Vandy Whistler. I might have the FBI show up at my door at this point. Um, <laughs> wrapping up the weekend, that was really about all I had. It was just a tough weekend for Ole Miss. The offense has got to be better. Um, and, you know, we'll probably – if Ole Miss gets stifled next – I think you're going to learn a lot about this team next weekend, particularly from an offensive standpoint. Because, look, again, as you mentioned, it's a bad weekend. We talked about the offense some and talked about how they're going to have to carry them, and that didn't happen this weekend just evolve if, if it doesn't go well for Ole Miss next weekend and they w- lose a couple games because they don't score any runs that's going to warrant a more substantiative discussion mm-hmm. about this offense is it not after two quality pitching staffs absolutely
2: yeah no look they've, they've got to be able to be competitive against quality pitching they're, they're, it's, it's, we can say it's elite pitching all we want and it was but you have to be competitive and and they weren't this weekend so yeah if they roll in there, throw Waldrop and the kid on Sunday, that I, I still struggle to pronounce the name, on. I don't know. Um, yeah, if, if they come in there and shove it up on the tail, then then you're certainly going to be concerned at that point.
1: Um, looking around the SEC before we get out of here, there were some very, very interesting results this weekend. Um, I'm not sure where you'd prefer to start, but, hey, let's spin the wheel. Lexi did, did a um... <laughs>
2: Yeah, I bet that was random. It was random. Um, So, in all seriousness, just so we're we're talking about Mississippi State University, MSU, replace the M with an L, right? Just just put L where M is. If if LSU won the national title two years ago in two thousand and twenty one, and then missed the SEC tournament two years in a row, and missed the NCAA tournament two years in a row, would that coach survive?
1: No, it's he would not, and. We've talked about this, I think, kind of briefly before. Um optics are gonna be a big big deal this year for 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 Limonis if he if he kind of desired like in terms of like how does that look? Like does he just change up the staff? Like if the and again it's still very early, but it I mean, is the more and more you watch That's of that team, there's not a lot of hope. Like I, again, if you wanna both teams being swept this weekend, if you wanna do the whole Ole miss first state thing, you put it in different categories because Ole miss has kind of shown to be more consistent offense at other points in their season. And they, uh, they return a lot more and they've had a couple of injuries, but there's more in the cupboard. I've watched a decent bit of state this year and they've had some good moments. Um, You know, they kind of found, rallied to find a way to win that game at Trustmark park against Southern. That ended up being a pretty big win for them, but more times than not, I'm watching them and thinking, Oh my God, how is it this bad? I have a buddy, Derek Terry, who used to cover Kentucky. He and I were interns with Kendall and Aaron at D one together Uh, many moons ago he's actually started a newsletter to cover Kentucky baseball he texted me multiple times this weekend and was like dude like what the hell he's like Kentucky's could win one of these games if they just leave the bat on their shoulder like if their entire strategy was we are not (laughs) going to swing the bat I swear to god I think this could be like a 3-2 game and I was like yeah dude it's it's rough again I'm ranting but the optics of it are going to be important and getting swept at Kentucky when the finale is seventeen to three run rule, that's that that's the kind of optics that get you can. There's no benefit of the doubt there. Holy cow.
2: Yeah, and look, I think Chris Lawrence is a very good baseball coach, but man, um after last year, and I get it, last year they were riddled with injuries. They are not riddled with injuries this week. This year. They're just they're just struggling. And oh my God, guess who they get to play next weekend?
1: Oh, who do they have? I have not looked.
2: Uh, the the team that us. Oh, in Starkville, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: oh oh yeah, let me tell you something. Them jokers can pitch. Those jokers <laughs> can field too. They won't beat themselves.
2: Um, state stole or Kentucky stole bases like crazy on Mississippi State. Let me tell you what Vanderbilt's about to do.
1: That was another thing this weekend too at Ole Miss. You talk, I I very much enjoy watching Enrique Bradfield play baseball. I do not. Well, I do not. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, in in the in the day and age, particularly at the top level of the game when it's kind of a three outcome sport, that at the college baseball level, that's the definition of a dude. Where if he gets on the base path, he kind of changes the game. He did it to Ole Miss. He does. He to, uh, was it the Doherty outing or the Sonia start where Bradfield? Uh, has the leadoff double, and things went completely haywire just because you have to focus on him being on the base path.
2: I think, it, I think it was, I think it was Dorty. Um, and Ole Miss does about as good of a job as anybody, kind of controlling the running game. Yes. um, Quinn picked him off. Cal Harris threw him out this weekend. Um, but it's he's a game changer, man, and, and I didn't mean that as disrespectful to him. I just, no, I God, when he gets on base, he gets on base. It is a menace to deal with, um, because he is so so good at what he does.
1: He really is, and he yeah, is in the they, center field or fielder too. And I was looking at a statistic today um, as I was trying to ca- encapsulate kind of where Ole Miss was, and they didn't have a terrible weekend in terms of walking hitters, but it wasn't a good one, well, either. And I look at the SEC statistics and the whole season, not conference play, because after three games, what's that actually going to tell you? But um, Ole Miss was second to last in the SEC in terms of walks issued, and it was at a hundred. And state was 24 behind him at 124. And I was like, all right, this kind of tells the story of these two teams. Well, then I'll look at the top of the statistics page and it says updated through March 18th, 2018, which is Saturday. So that had not actually been updated in the 17 to three loss yet. State was 24 behind Ole Miss, who was second to last without whatever was factored in today to their third game.
2: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. That, Ooh. that's, that's, that's shocking. I don't. I don't even know any other way to put that.
2: I I don't. I don't get how they were. They they're that poor on the mound. They they should not be that bad on the mound. Um. They they've got some dudes thinking can pitch, man.
1: So um. Yeah. I I don't. I don't. Wow. I don't get that. Does he make it through the year? I and mean, Does he make it to next year?
2: Uh. Yeah. I think so. Um. Because again, I think he's. A, a good coach, and I think they can they can maybe change some stuff with some assistance and he can make it. But I, if you
1: made me guess today, I don't think that team makes a regional. Oh, I'm with you, too. I'll, do they make Hoover? I well, think they probably make Hoover. Missouri's good. Missouri
2: just Missouri's, like, legit good. Um, they had a good showing at the, the Big 12 Challenge. I think this is the year they finally get into the NCAA tournament.
1: I'm with you. They have two guys that can actually pitch, which <laughs> – Shocker, like helps. I mean, you have the Murphy kid, and I forget the who's the kid that they start on Saturday. I watched a little bit oh, no. of him in Arlington, um, but I mean, they to, to, to underscore the point, they held uh, Tennessee to one run and four runs, respectively. And I think that other kid actually went out of the game early with an injury or something. I can't remember what exactly the deal was in that. I didn't watch much of that game, but like that's Uh-oh. against Dollander really? and Chase Burns
2: took the lead in the second half. That's a that's gonna be fun. But yes, um no Missouri is legit good. So uh Ole Miss has to go to Columbia this year too. So that'll be well, fun.
1: And just from the state perspective, in terms of like talking about making Hoover in your mind, who would have been the other candidate for the worst team in the SEC if you took away Missouri?
2: Um, yeah, I mean Kentucky would have been on that list. I think I think Auburn's playing their way onto that list. I'm not sure Auburn's very good. And
1: what did Kentucky just do? Yeah, they swept. They 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 wasn't just a sweep. Um, outside of Friday, they they kicked state the teeth. Yeah, so that's going to be fascinating. Ah, uh, anyway, the coach we talk, hit on the coach Vitello uh, ejection earlier. Um, he they did get swept. That's that's something. That.
2: That's 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 a shame. That
1: they guess swept.
2: Um, they can't hit at all. So, um, you yeah. all that talent and. It's I don't get you really matchups when you when you don't score. So um uh, but no, Tennessee's not not very good at the plate right now. Um Dolander had a tough outing in his his outing on Friday. So um no, Tennessee's not that great right now. It's uh it'll be interesting to see if they can rebound. But um I knew com- I, I, I knew coming into the year they were worried about if they could swing or not. And uh it appears that, that they uh have not been great. Um they were
1: not I'll be
2: honest, I didn't watch a pitch of that, but, it, but, but you don't,
1: it doesn't feel like they play particularly
2: well and get swept in Missouri.
1: Arkansas sweeps Auburn. Whatever you want to talk about, Van Horn, that guy is a pretty damn good coach. I mean, he loses yeah. a Friday night guy each of the last couple of years, and they just continue to roll. Um, it's probably, probably the reason he and Bianco are the two longest tenured head coaches in the conference. The dude can coach some baseball, whatever you make of him.
2: Yeah, no, he's a very good coach. You um, had wow,
1: Alabama and Florida Chicago. play a really tough competitive series. Florida best them. I still think Alabama's pretty good. They salvaged that, uh, I say, Saturday game. It was this third game that was played on Friday. No shame in getting uh, in only getting a game down there in Gainesville. I'll be interested to see kind of how Alabama takes shape after they get that series out of the way. They go back home. I don't know who they have next weekend, but I think they're going to be in the mix in terms of kind of that middle to upper portion of the SEC. I think they're pretty damn good. A&M salvages a game and a comeback win over LSU to avoid getting swept. Again, I don't know how good or bad A&M is. I do know LSU is really damn good. But those are the kind of weekends when you get Blitzkrieg the first two games that if you can just salvage that one and avoid getting swept, you can look back up in late May and be like, all right, I'm glad we got that one. Ole Miss has had that happen to him a couple times. Um, yeah. Where else are we? I think that only leaves Georgia, South Carolina. I have no idea what happened in that series. I, you could have told me it, uh, didn't, it
2: didn't happen, and I I'd make South sure. Swept. I think South Carolina swept. Could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. They're pretty good too. Yeah, no, they're not bad at all. So, um,
1: yeah, no, South Carolina had a
2: good year. So, yeah, definitely a few sweeps this uh, uh, start What?
1: Yeah, that East could be interesting. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. That was our look around the SEC. I think we'll kind of have a little bit more substantive look at Ole Miss next weekend and what's going to be an important week for this team. We'll, uh, I appreciate the time, as always, man. We'll holler at you sometime this week.
2: All right, sounds good, my man.
1: we are do for our show. Appreciate Colin hopping on, as always. We'll be back at it. Uh, at some point, Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm going to get a women's basketball segment out of the pod. I don't know how I'm going to package that yet, but uh, we'll be back here in the midweek. Then Connor and I will preview Florida later on. But appreciate you listening to the show. As always, you have a great start to your week.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.